Hello, friends and neighbors in the audio radiance. I am Spider Robinson, the James Taylor of the Stone Age, coming to you from the home of the terminally confused Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Hey, welcome everybody to a new year of Area 51 recordings of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Uh, if you were listening last week or a week or two ago, we thought about changing the name to Sci-Fi Saturday Afternoon. Actually, some idiot said, hey, how about Sci-Fi Saturday Morning? Wait, that idiot was me. Uh, I was out voting. We had a board meeting. It was actually a meeting where everybody was bored except me. And because I really thought it was a good idea, uh, I was outvoted five to one um, by everybody who was there. Um, and even some people who weren't there voted against it. So we're going to keep the name of Sci-Fi Saturday Night for now because uh, they said so and I, I have to. Uh, we are the only podcast to guarantee to remain carbon neutral for the coming year. We had that written into the contract. Cam, you signed that contract, didn't you? Signed? What? Who? Where? Where? The, 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 con- the contract after after the meeting last week where we refused, you guys refused to change the name to Sci-Fi Saturday Afternoon, but we had to remain carbon neutral for the next 12 months. I got some bad news. Do you have an extra copy of that? I used it to clean up the butter from the popcorn. Uh, uh, could you just email Kriana and ask her for that, please? I will. I will do that. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I'm your vaccinated host, The Dome. This is episode 518. Uh, it's become too unwieldy to count, and I'm told that our server is getting top-heavy. I don't know what that means either. When, when you ask her about the contract, could you ask her what it means about our server getting top-heavy? I, I don't know what that means. I'm writing this email. I just basically got an open email by the end of this. uh, this, Okay, uh, cool. I'd appreciate that. So contract, carbon neutral, server getting top heavy. Okay, so far we're on top of things or on the bottom of things. I'm not sure which anymore. It's another mask optional semi-quarantine evening here in Area 51. And in this episode, it's old friends, bookends, another Simon and Garfunkel classic. Joining me in the Area 51 broadcast facility tonight at the Clit. Uh, you know, and I've got to stop rushing through this because I stumble over the words like I'm eating oatmeal. But in fact, I, I'm eating oatmeal. So that's why I'm doing it. At the clickbait fact-checking wheel of fish and soylent green snack bar, it's Captain Cam. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, and how are you? Um, yeah, oh, I've been better, but I'm here. 
Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I just, just just checking and, in, you know, because you know you you vanished for a little while there, and you know, you know, yeah, you, I know, left, I know. You shut the lights off. You know, it's very hard to get through. I was the, gone, the, the, but the I'm back. Case. Yes, you're back. But, you know, it's very hard for me to get through the hamster cage to my food pellets and my water. You know, if you know, I can't see where I'm going. You, re you realize we should start calling it the hamster cage. I think so. <laughs> I really honestly do at this point, you know, because there isn't a hamster to be found in here. I know. I know. And we got to get you some more of the silent green pellets. Yes, most definitely. They're tasty. It's people. You no, know, it's people not. Delicious. It's not every day that one of our guests hits the five timers club. In fact, it's not every day that one of our guests is two of our guests. Did that make any sense whatsoever? <laughs> Probably not. Um, I've loved these guys since I first met them on their very first Kickstarter year when Dreamforge magazine was but a glimpse in their eyes on their very first Kickstarter. Uh and and they were they were there getting it off the ground. It's become this this wonderful, wonderful project. Scott and Jane Noel. Hey guys, welcome hey. back to your Hi. fifth time. Thank you so much and for having us. We're really honored to be like five timers. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I think I remember, it's wonderful. I remember listening as we were packaging up the very first um, magazine to go out. Um, we were listening to the podcast that you did with Scott, the very first one, the very day that we were packaging up the first issue of, Ant of Dreamforge. So that was pretty cool. It was for me, too, because, you know, it's I like to throw money at stuff on on uh, on 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 things like that, because when I find something. That's really, really, really cool on Kickstarter that I think I'm going to like and enjoy, I'll message the guy who's 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 doing it and go. And if I can get to it early and go, hey, can we put you on the show and see if we can help you along? And I got an email back like the, the next day from Scott going, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yes, and we appreciate it. <laughs> and I don't know if I was just going to say, I don't know if you any help event. or not. Oh, that's and I what I'm trying to say. You, we, you really did help us, and we appreciate that help and the continuing help and support you've given us over the years because this is our fourth year. We're, we're now in our fourth year, and we just published Dreamforge Anvil Issue 7, which uh, has a theme title of The Meaning of Life. It was just out in, um, what was it? It was March 20th, mm -hmm. and um, that's our first issue of 2022, and the stories are free online. And a subscription, which is only $17.99, gets you the downloadable ebook versions, which we didn't even have when we started. Now we have now we have ebook versions in Mobi and EPUB format. The cool thing that happened is you started off in a subscription model as a soft cover magazine. And when COVID hit, you had to do a hard pivot. You desperately needed to change your model. You desperately needed to keep certain things, change certain things, 
and not change your goal. And you watched other magazines, other book formats wither and die as you guys were working at it. And yes. you guys just refused to let it go. COVID, and I COVID was hard doing on that. people, that's for sure. You know, that COVID changed a lot of things, including the way yeah. we were doing things. But we still um, got a print version through print on demand. So we still have, you know, there were a lot of people like, but I like holding it in my hands. You've talked about I that. Sure yeah. I sure do. That never stopped for me. Yep. And so I'm, we are still putting that together twice a year. Um, we're taking collected stories from the first half of the year and then the second half of the year in order to get the 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 print out there so that people can still still get the print. But um, we're doing a lot more um, online, too. So and the print was for the last year or so, the print has only been available. You'd have to go to Amazon and, and buy it directly from Amazon um, this year when we do our Kickstarter only solely from Kickstarter, we're going to um, be be saying basically, hey, if you support us on the Kickstarter, we personally will, you know, be mailing that that print issue out to you so that so that you get it directly from us. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but that's a little bit of of putting our toe back back in that water. Um, uh, strange things happened during COVID, including the post office forgetting how to deliver things, and that that cost us big time. But we. <laughs> Well, that was nicely put. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're still having a lot of fun. We're still working with lots of lots of nice nice authors. Like, uh, so, well, so what we're doing this year, just mechanically, is we're going to do four online and ebook issues, and then we're going to compile those stories into two print issues. So we'll have, uh, you know, one one half of the year in one print issue, and and then at the end of the year, the the rest of the stories. And we're working with some experienced masters like Scott Edelman and Grant Carrington and Mara Buck, uh, as well as many first-time and beginning authors, including Writers of the Future um, winners that, that we get a lot of submissions from. So we're going to have a lot of nice stories. And um, author and writing coach Wolf Moon is is uh, working with us uh, because one of the themes that we've turned into as, as we were trying to transition and keep, uh, keep some interest going as we move more online was we wanted to help people with their writing and help beginning authors with their writing. So, so we teamed up with uh, Wolf Moon, who... Um, uh, is is basically compiling his own uh, book he's going to publish of of writing secrets that he calls the super secrets, and he's been um, uh, trying those out with us and and creating a special article for each one of our online issues uh, to to help beginning and and uh, young writers with with writing and we think that's awesome. Um, and we we also are glad that um, our international interest has has continued as well because. Uh, like just in our, our issue that we have online right now, we have um, a story called Love in the Time of Concrud. And that's a plague plague versus time travel story, <laughs> believe it or not. And it's by Elena Pavlova, and it's translated from the Bulgarian by Elena Pavlova and Kalen, and Kalen M. Nenov, um, who um, is is uh, part of a, a, a library project that I'm forgetting the name of right now. But um, so we're happy to, to have some international stories and we have some from the UK and that sort of thing. And uh, we're, we're still having a lot of fun and, and we think doing a lot of good work. One of the things that, that made the international aspect of it, uh, of Dreamforge, easier to grow was Dreamforge Anvil, which, which was 
a fully digital version of Dreamforge, which which made the distribution of it mm-hmm. much much easier than than the hard copy of Dreamforge was, which was a much more expensive way to go, uh, distribution wise internationally. So did you, did you did you find that as you expanded digitally, that uh, internationally it grew very quickly? I would say the international interest was was actually always there just because we were promoting ourselves on the internet. But it, I think it does. There's a few things that we did that I that I think helps out there. One, we we um, created a portal readers portal technology that um, works very well on the phone. So any anybody who has a phone anywhere can basically look and read the issues very easily, just as if they were reading a, a Kindle book or or an ebook. Uh, the second thing was that that uh, Jane, it's all all her doing. She learned how to make ebooks, and um, she now creates Moby and EPUB versions. Which, if you're subscribed, you basically can just go online, you get a coupon code, and you can download the the ebook versions. That's very instrumental in helping do that. And another thing we did to make it more accessible, both here and internationally, was we went more like originally we were really a subscription model. You you basically subscribed and you got a paper magazine. Uh, pretty much. And um, now basically we've gone to more of a supporter model where uh, the stories, when we put them on Dreamforge Anvil, when we put them in our readers portal, they're just free for people to go and access for the most part, the stories. Um, what you get with a subscription is if you want those ebook copies um, and uh, also to get some little extras that are available there that um, like we have some features for, for beginning writers where you can actually see how a story was line edited to get to its final shape, and that can be of interest to some people. So, so there, are, uh, we have basically made reasons to support us, and, and that's why we have writers in our Dreamcaster group that support us on Patreon, and and people still subscribe, but basically they're they're really, their subscription is really helping us uh, pay the authors more than anything else. That's what that that money is used for. So it's more of a supporter model, but everybody can enjoy Dreamforge. You just go online and and read it online. And with the uh, print-on-demand, it actually makes the print copies more accessible internationally as well. That's because true <clears throat> Amazon will actually print it in another country. Like if somebody wants it in Australia, they'll print it in Australia and mail it in Australia. And it doesn't have, you know, the shipping costs of trying to get a printed version from a printer sent to Australia. From the U.S. to Australia, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So that, we have had we have have heard from people that didn't have an opportunity for print before because it was prohibitively expensive, and now they can go on Amazon. It's not as expensive to get it internationally that way. And then just a funny international story. We have, and I always try to send out author copies. So when an author contributes to us, when we pay them, we also try to send them, you know, either the uh, codes to the eBooks or once we get a printed version, I try to mail that printed version. Well, we have had a a, a wonderful author who. Um, uh, it was in Den- living in Denmark. He's from Scotland, living in Denmark, and I tried to mail him a physical copy. And and the, I got this really cute email saying like, "Thank you, but do you realize when you send me that physical copy, I don't get to just get it for free in my mailbox. I have to pay some exorbitant international tax that's like oh, the equivalent Lord. of forty <laughs> or fifty bucks. And it's like it's like, don't send me things. It's like, okay, buddy." <laughs> Stop then, sending me free stuff. It costs me more money. <laughs> exactly. 
and he ended up he ended up basically like refusing delivery of that, and they they basically paid to send it all the way back. So oh, so I ended so I ended up getting the issue back all the way from Denmark, but he didn't have he didn't have to pay like the equivalent of fifty bucks tax on on this little magazine issue, which you know. So ain't it funny what we have to do? Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about the uh, Dreamcasters discussion group? Yes, and you've been a guest on that, and we really appreciated that. I have, and it was fun, let me tell you. It's a and wonderful group of people. They are, and and they, like, made me feel like I was somebody important, and I'm, a, like, a nobody. <laughs> so, I'm just some guy who likes to talk, and they like to listen, and they ask some really good questions, too. So let me tell you uh, what Dreamcasters is. And, and we'll get into a little bit of a discussion. But as we as we went through this transition and we went through the, the COVID years and we we're trying to figure out how do we still remain relevant? We're not quite just a print magazine anymore. One of the things that we wanted to get into was actually helping beginning writers, because we'd always had this this little bit of a sense of of when we're sending these stories back, you know, we've we've read thousands of stories and we see what the problems are and we see why we didn't accept them or why we thought there were problems. And we wanted to to give that feedback to people, but we wanted to do it in a constructive way. And we soon learned that just telling people what was wrong with their story when they didn't ask you to do that <laughs> can actually be a problem. Some people get upset about that. But Yeah, uh, I had that same problem here many times. <laughs> but but Lord knows. People, some people were really engaged and they, they really appreciated that idea. It's like, oh, you know, you're you're telling me things that you see and think ways that I can improve. And and so we basically wanted to formalize that. And that's where the, the Dreamcasters came from. Um, we thought it would also be a good way if these people were really serious, it would be a good way for them to contribute a bit toward, you know, us buying stories and, and paying the authors. So it's a support group that is founded on Patreon. Patreon, you know, you join Patreon at a, at a certain level. I think it's like $3 a month or above, and you be, you can become a Dreamcaster. And that means you can attend our monthly meetings uh, where we bring in speakers like yourself and like authors, you know, like Jane Lynn Scold and, and some, uh, you know, different people in the science fiction and fantasy um, uh, ecosystem to basically teach them things and talk about things. And we also have uh, writing instruction, and we do plotting games, and uh, right now we're having a, a contest that we'll tell you about in a little bit. But but that's kind of the milieu of, of what Dreamcasters is, and, and that's been successful enough for us that at the moment they're contributing about 25% of the revenue we need to uh, actually you know pay authors for the year, which is which is awesome. And um, you know, we, we work with them on, on really trying to, and Wolf Moon has, has helped with us, helped us with this as well, uh, to, to get them to structure stories correctly and, and get them to try to put some of their bad habits away. And, and, um, that's been successful to the point where, um, one of our, uh, recent, uh, uh, stories, we had a story called Dandelion Brew by Anna Sun, who, uh, soon, Anna Sun, who, um, uh, was on the 2021 tangent uh, recommended reading list with a story that came out of Dreamcasters. And uh, just in this issue that's online now, uh, we have Crystal Crawford and her story One Shot at Aiden was also came out of the Dreamcasters group. And every month we hear from these guys, not just about stories that we've accepted, but about stories that they're 
they're managing to publish and the venues that they find to publish in. And, and so everybody supports one another. There's a Discord channel where they, they talk to one another and congratulate one another and give, people, give them leads on, on new magazines and new opportunities to submit stories. So, so it's, it's, been, it's been very um, fulfilling and very uh, engaging to, to, to work with the Dreamcasters and have them support, help support us and have us help them learn a little bit more and, and become a little more professional. So what it does, uh, I'm trying to figure out what it does for Dreamforge. Well, for Dreamforge, they're Patreon supporters, so they're they're actually you know paying us uh, uh, essentially you know to be they're supporting us through Patreon, just like you would you would support anything. Right, Patreon. right, right. Yep. But but what I'm saying is the stories that they're putting together that they're working on. Where, do they ever end up in yes. the magazine? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, th- that's several, that one that I mentioned, have, Dandelion yeah. Brew and, and mm-hmm. Crystal Crawford. Those have both been in Dreamforge. So, so yes, we look at those. They And they get special submission periods, too, where we, we look at, at their stories and, and they have an opportunity to do that. Whether or not they end up in Dreamforge is, is a matter of they're not always going to tell the they're, – they're going to be working on improving their stories, but they're not always going to be Dreamforge stories. Like we're working with one right now that uh, I really like a, a lot, but it's essentially a horror story. So I don't know that I will assent, ever buy that because we don't really do horror, but it's going to make that story stronger, you know, for that author in, in getting it out there. And, and we'll see that kind of thing where we want them to develop their stories. But um, if they are developing Dreamforge stories, we'll take a serious look at them. Yes. So what I think the listener has to understand is that in order to submit a story to Dreamforge, they don't need to become a Patreon and go through the Dreamcasters group, yada, yada, yada. That's one way to do it. That's not the only way to do it. You have your own submission guidelines process to do that. Yes, we have, we have several submission periods through the year that uh, are just general open submission periods where we get 500, 700, 800 stories that just you know, crash in on us all at once. And we have a first line reader group that has been assembled from around the world. We have people from Australia and Germany and, um, you know, all these different places that, that help us read stories and evaluate them. And uh, that also takes place in a portal environment where um, it's all behind the scenes to the average reader, but we can talk to one another and comment on stories and, and talk about why we like this one or what the problem was with that one and, and rate them. So as an editor, what I get to do is is go in and, um, you know, I still look at every single story, even if we've gotten hundreds of them, but I am armed with essentially the opinions of my people. So I don't, it saves me a lot of time. Uh, so I will still look at every story, but if I've got like five experienced people, two of whom have MFAs and they're saying basically this story really dies on page two and we don't know how to save it, <laughs> then I don't spend that much time. Uh, but uh, certainly if they're saying you got to read this one all through to the end, it, it has a real punch to it, then even if I normally would be reading and saying, ah, I'm not sure about this one, if if they're giving me that that kind of uh, uh, recommendation, I'll, I'll, I'll put the time in there. So so, yeah, we got a big process that we that uh, that we go through. And during our general open submission periods, Dreamcasters is just another way to kind of get your foot in the door a little bit and it's it's really it's it's not geared hey support us and we'll consider your story it's geared toward join dreamcasters we're going to work on stories together and if some good stories come out of that 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 really are dreamforge 
you know, the right type and the right length and all that, that will get special consideration. And, and we may just help you sell a story somewhere else when you, you know, we, we help you improve it. We do celebrate, like, you know, in each meeting, we talk about where people have had things published. So it's not about, did you get published in Dreamforge? It's where did you get published and, and what stories you got published. So we, we get excited about anybody's success on that. And I think one of the best things about Dreamforge in general is just the great people that we've met because Dreamcasters is a wonderful group of people. And we've, we've met often enough now it's going on a year where we can, we actually get to know each other a bit and, and it's been a lot of fun. But our first line readers, a lot of them have been with us now from the beginning and, and um, what a group of people and how much help they give us. And it's just, you know, they've learned from it too. And, um, you know, because there's not much uh, a beginning writer can do better than to read all those stories uh, that come through. So we've we've seen people mature and grow, and and many of them have been with us from the beginning. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's one thing to basically you know read an instruction or have an editor tell you, hey, you you know you use too much exposition and it comes across as as dull and it slows the story down. And it's another thing to be a first line reader who's been working through these stories for a year and to see that story after story after story after, and then it's like ah oh, i get it now I, I you know i understand this so being a first line first line reader and just having that experience of of going through so many submissions um that is a good training regimen for anyone who wants to be, become an author as well it, it really teaches you a lot but having gotten the craft correct and having gotten the structure correct and having gotten the storytelling correct you made a very telling statement a, a, a couple of minutes ago, <clears throat> and it's the statement that in the very first Kickstarter that you ever did caught my eye immediately. Um, now, I have some very, very, very close friends of mine who are horror fiction writers and have been, in one case, for 35, 40 years. But when I read that first Kickstarter of yours, almost, what, five years ago now? Yep. You made it very clear then that Dreamforge was going to not go there. You wanted to go someplace else. You wanted to look as it, towards a future that was going to be positive. You wanted a future that was going to be bright. However, the author wanted to take you there. And that very first Kickstarter spoke very eloquently towards that in a way that resonated with me, which is why I didn't hesitate, A, to support you monetarily almost immediately, but B, to email you that same evening almost immediately and say, how can I help support you? And I've been an ardent supporter ever since. Can you explain to the listener what that what that underlying philosophy is and why it means so much 
Sure. Uh, I, the shorthand is basically that. And don't uh, go shorthand. Go longhand. <laughs> go longhand on this one. Because uh, okay. it means a I'll lot start, to you. I'll start, I'll start and with. it means a lot to, to, to everybody in your organization. And I get that. I'll start with with the way I phrase it most succinctly, and it's the human adventure is just beginning. It's like we see so much today and, and you know, the world is out there trying to, you know, prove me wrong every day with like the war in Ukraine and that sort of right. thing. But uh, <laughs> and the rise of authoritarianism and, and all that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I firmly believe uh, personally and we do here at Dreamforge that in those words, the human adventure is just beginning. It's It's kind of the Star Trek ethos. It's. Uh, humanity is going to evolve beyond its, you know, baser impulses that that the uh, movement of history, you know, is moving in a, a particular direction. And it's in part it's it's mastery of technical uh, ability, um, but in part it's also, um, you know, coming together as a, as a kind of unified people that recommends that not that recognizes rather the, um, you know, the dignity of human beings and and um, our, you know, Essentially, that, that we're one people and, and that we need to treat each other uh, well and and um, stand up for, you know, equality and human rights and dignity and diversity and and all those 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 uh, elements that are the more positive elements of, of what humans can do. And there will always be obstacles. And, you know, even back when we were starting Dreamforge, one of the things I would tell people going back to my Star Trek roots was remember between our time and when the Star Trek time is supposed to happen, that's when the eugenics wars happen and the world is nearly destroyed in, in, you know, nuclear, nuclear war. And, um, you know, we have Kanuni and Singh and, you know, those, those guys trying to take over and, and, uh, you know, be the new Nazis kind of, kind of idea. So, so there are always going to be those barriers and those struggles. It's not, um, you know, a, a, just a utopian dream of, oh, hey, everything's going to be better in the future. But um, I think there there is a serious argument that humanity step by step, sometimes two steps forward, one step back, is moving toward a better future. And you have um, authors like, um, who is it? It's like Steven Pinker, who writes uh, books like Enlightenment Now, that basically gets out all the charts and the graphs and basically shows like, like, look, literacy has been continuously improving, and we now have a world that is almost um, 85% um, literate. Uh, and that's, you know, think back even 100 years or 200 years, and that would have been an insane dream. But most of the world is literate, and we now have almost 5 billion people connected on this thing called the Internet, where all the world's knowledge, if you get past all the crazy stuff, all the world's knowledge is, is hosted there. So how is that going to change humanity when... You have that many minds that are able to to without going to college, without paying exorbitant funds, but just are in some, you know, uh, country with a phone learning engineering and getting their own ideas and learning how to be entrepreneurs and getting all the information they need. How's that going to going to change things? Um, Even with what we've been through, you know, not a lot of people think this way, but but with what we've been through with COVID and the new mRNA vaccines, and there's lots of vaccine hesitancy and all that kind of thing. But what I see in that is the beginning of the technology that will basically free mankind from all sorts of plagues, um, you know, going forward. And we may be seeing, however controversial it is now, we may be seeing the, the beginnings of the end of disease as we learn things like that. So um, there are just any number of places that you can look and say, look at these advancements. And then, you know, the critics can always say, and look, we're always going to be warlike and we're always going to be, um, you know, uh, 
essentially racist and, and have those tendencies. Um, and I think it is certainly going to be a struggle, but that there is going to be a better future, a multi-planet future. SpaceX is going to take us, you know, to Mars in a bit. And it's, it's going to be a very interesting and very exciting future. Um, I do not see the collapse of civilization and apocalypse and, um, you know, all those kinds of things. So. And Scott does take the long view on a lot of that because a lot of the times people are looking at tomorrow and the next day and next year and not seeing that trend of, of progression. But when you look at how many people in poverty now, there's a lot of people in poverty, but there's fewer than there were 100 or 200 years ago. And even when you look back hundreds of years, even people who were wealthy didn't have what even relatively poor people have now as far as technology and clean water and, uh, you know, a lot of the the kind of basics of living, you know, so it, it is the world is getting better. It just doesn't always look like it when you look at a day to day kind of view. And Scott takes much more of a, a long view on on you know, the progression of, of humanity and, and the positive nature of, of progress. Part of the problem is we're not built to take that look either just as human beings. It's like we grew up essentially in, in forests and African savannas and that sort of thing where, where anything that rustled, we had to be super alert to it because that could be a lion that was going to kill you. And we, are, we haven't changed biologically that much over that little bit of time. There's, there's you know, not a great change in evolution from our... Um, you know, origins as humans 30,000 or 100,000 years ago. So so that's how we still think. And that's why bad news shows or shows that are constantly trying to, you know, gin up our fears and, and our, our, our concerns and all that kind of thing. That's why they're successful, um, because that's how our brains are built. Our brains aren't built to look around and say, oh, and over here, things are doing pretty well. Our brains are built to, if that's going well, just ignore it. It means nothing. <laughs> You know, it's like those guys coming across the border. That's a pro. That's the problem, you know. Um, so so we we tend to focus on the negative and that's just part of being human. Um, and, you know, just one of the things that, that we have to deal with. It's hard to. In fiction. Not expect the worst. It's hard to look at where we are and what we have and what we see right now, <clears throat> Lord knows, and not expect the worst. If we force ourselves to see the best, if we force ourselves to look for the better, then we can make a positive change. Mm -hmm. And Dreamforge and Dreamforge Anvil has always stood there and said, this is where we need to go. This is where we need to be. I have always loved that about what you've brought out and what you continue to do. It's a beautiful idea. It's a wonderful concept that I wholeheartedly embrace and I wholeheartedly support. And that you've brought this entire group of young writers and old writers together and said, hey, this is where we're going. It's a great idea. And that the proof of concept is that it's working. 
and it's gotten stronger in the four years that you've done it and continues to grow. And all I can add to that is, nice job, guys. Thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> it, 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 that, that is very much appreciated. And it, it is tough to, um, just in terms of what I just explained about how media works and how it's always concentrating on the negative, it's it's even tough to promote something like a magazine sure. where you're basically just trying to say positive things because the algorithms and you know we're by day job we're we're like web developers and and we know the algorithms in all of these social media and and that sort of thing are set to to look at essentially the the hyped up the crazy the negative you know that sort of thing and if I if I do a nice post that says you know, look at look at this wonderful story by this new author. It's you know grand that that's going to get less attention than you know if I do a post that says, oh look, volcano blew up and you know <laughs> over here it's like, oh wow that 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 was a good post there. Like, you got more looks on that than anything else. But um, you know, so 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 it is difficult to basically be in a world that really values negativity as as even an economic resource and and basically try to say, yeah. Everything's really doesn't have to be negative, and um, you know, let's let's look at some stories that uh, you know have have some nice sentiments to them, have some success to them. And it, I don't want to make it sound like our stories are just like fluff and Pollyannish. They always show people. Oh, they absolutely are, are not. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of it. I mean, they're they're they're. How how can you how how can you say this? They're. Well, to have a good story, bad things have to happen. But sure. the idea is that the characters overcome in some way or work together in some way or stand up to it in some way that makes it the positive. It's it's not it's not like, well, okay, everybody dies, that's the end. You know, it, it has to be something where somebody's found that it's worth fighting for and, and that they they give their all for it. It's the def it's the classic definition of tragedy and comedy. Tra and tragedy is when the antagonist overcomes the hero, and comedy is when the hero overcomes the antagonist. Mm -hmm. you, there is going to be some sort of antagonistic force in every story, uh, not always, but well, no, I think always. It's a fair statement, and you can find it. But it's whether that hero overcomes that or the heroic forces overcome the antagonistic forces that makes it a, a, a positive story. Mm -hmm. And I would say that you're 99 percent right on that. But um, I will say sometimes we, we go for the completely philosophical. Uh, in this particular issue, we have a very nice uh, story called Between Oak and Acorn, A Sunset Waits by Mariska Pichette. And it's a it's almost a philosophical exploration. And the very first line is hedgehog walks into the woods. And basically we're just going to follow hedgehog into the woods as we learn about um, life and uh, perspective. <laughs> and yeah, it's a great story, but it's not typical of, of it's not typical. It's no. not a typical story, but it was very, very well done. I don't think, and I'm not going out on a limb saying this, that there's any real typical story that you're going to find in the Dreamforge universe, um, in large part because typical science fiction defies borders, defies boundaries, defies uh, any kind of, of, of pigeonholing. And, and Dreamforge goes that extra step by defying convention. 
Um, and if you want to find out what it is we're talking about, you can go right to their website and read the stories for free. And if you like what you're reading, you can download some of them for a modest sum or even download some of the books from there or from Amazon for a slightly more modest sum or become part of their project to help become part of the positive change. You know, it's, it's, it's not a bad idea to do something positive or to support something positive. Lord knows, um, I did it. <laughs> and, and, you know, people have not called me the most positive person in the world from time to time. <laughs> and I can't imagine why that is. Anyhow, if you want to learn more about uh, DreamForge, what it is, what it does, and how to do it, we've got all the links right on the website. Feel free to click around and check it on out. Meanwhile, Scott and Jane, I cannot, cannot thank you enough, not for just coming on the show tonight, not for just coming on the show for the past five times, but for having the vision and the desire and, and the stick-to-itiveness to have done this through the pandemic and to make sure that this was a viable project. Thank you so much, man, and 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 thank you for sticking with it. It's oh. it's been so much fun to watch. Thank you very much. Can I mention one more thing? Absolutely. Okay, I just want to let your listeners know that another new project this year is the DreamForge channel on YouTube. And oh yeah, we have the links for that as well. Yeah, so that's that's <laughs> basically going to be a, a, a little video production. It's basically talking head YouTuber stuff. But we're going to cover four main areas in our videos that include talking about Dreamforge Anvil, um, interviews with authors and scientists and that sort of thing, talk about writing, and a little a section that we call Obiter Dictum, which is kind of just comments on anything and everything. And I really was inspired to do this when uh, well, one of my YouTuber um, heroes or favorites is uh, Joe Scott at Answers with Joe where he does a very great show um, where he gets into all kinds of different scientific things and cultural things. And, and that's, and there's a show recently where he basically was explaining to his people, you know, why am I doing these shows about apocalyptic type things? And it's because that's what pays. It's like you do that because that's what YouTube thinks that you want to see. And he was complaining that, you know, I just did this recent show that we was well-researched and it was well-written and it was all this stuff. And it, it was it was just a an interesting show about someone. And uh, he said, and that tanked because it wasn't apocalyptic. <laughs> so so my goal with the Dreamforge channel is I don't care. <laughs> it's like we're not we're, we're nowhere near doing this for monetization on, on YouTube. We're nowhere near that level. But we're just going to do the shows that we think are important. We're going to do the shows that we think are interesting. And and if our audience, you know, we hope our audience will find us and that that, um, you know, we can get out some of these ideas. We uh, one of the first ones I did was on the Fermi paradox, which is basically if there are aliens out there, why don't we see them? Why aren't they why aren't they in contact with us? And I just want to cover interesting ideas like that. Get some some interesting points across. We're going to interview Wolf Moon and talk about writing soon. Um, and that's 
that's going to be, you can find us on YouTube. Just look for the Dreamforge channel. And we're going to start out trying to do one of those a month. And hopefully we'll be able to pick up that pace as, as we learn as we learn learn the ropes. We'll have as many links for you as we can possibly find for our listening audience. Whether there's 10 of you or 1,000 of you or 5,000 of you. This is importantly fun stuff or funnily important stuff. I'm not sure which. <laughs> possibly both. But these are cool people doing cool stuff scott and jane noel thank you so much and uh kickstarter will be sometime in may yes for uh, the they're next... theoretically starting just at the beginning of may and going for the month but uh we're, we're starting to organize that now we're going to hold our breath and we're going to wait and check the website check our website we'll be announcing it when it comes out as well thank you very much thank you thank no, you no. so much we really thank appreciate you your guys. support <laughs> thank you guys and you're always welcome on the show here thank, thank you. you thank you sci-fi saturday night is made possible with the support of granite con and double midnight comics plastic city comic con the upper valley comic expo dreamforge anvil and dreamforge magazine and comic art house if you're looking for a great gift idea May we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's Anthology, My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, Jojo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime, good night, everyone. This is my brother, Yako.